Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. Hey, baby, okay. Episode 47 of the Sims and Lefko Podcast. What did you say there? Episode 47, I said, oh, baby, okay. Uh, okay, okay. Yes. We, this show is going to be amazing. One, because you have no idea what we're talking about because you just came from inside the NFL. Two, you were fired up from inside the NFL, so I know I'm getting good sims. <laughs> Three, War Moons on the podcast. Uh, I like that. All right, 47. There was an obvious one that came to my mind. What did you have? I'll let you go first. Well, John Lynch. That's the only 47 that I can think of. Uh, yeah. That is the 47. Oh, your middle lot. Wow. Oh, that's AK right. for Karolinko. Gabe coming You're with right. Andre like Karolinko. AJ 40, AK 47, excuse me. Fendrick, say hello. Oh, so darn. Yes. So I'm, I'm just hoping this you can tell us about a meaningless Rutgers player once again. I could All probably right. find a walk-on in the past, but I'll spare you this week. <laughs> Let's see Thanks. the Gomez fingers Mel really Blunt. quick. Uh, Mel Blunt. That's 47. That's who you're missing from the Pittsburgh wow. Steelers. Yes. Yeah, for me, it's just John Lynch. Let's go to the control uh, room. Nominee from Paul Kaplan, by the way, who we see back there. Paul Kaplan's Chris the back Cooley. Room. Man, hey, Paul's the only guy in there that's whiter than Cam. Look at that. Wow, it's the glow of the monitor. It's the glow of the monitor. Man. Yeah. So Paul said, uh, Chris Cooley. Chris, oh, Chris that's Cooley. a good one. Good Chris, one. did you, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Fender, did you put the topics? Uh, no, it hasn't come yet, but they're going to come right now. Perfect. If All you right, watch let's how this talk works. about what we got on the show today. Yes, a lot of playoff breakdown. We did okay with our picks, but we're, of course we're going to get to our big guy, Warren Moon. We're going to talk about perfect, but in a different way. So don't worry, Sims. It's not the same old stuff. And then we're going to make our picks. You <laughs> yeah. have no idea what's going to happen. No, I like this. Song. I love it. This is way more fun when Sims. First thing, I, I feel super energetic, partially because I've been using a lot of Snapchat lately, and you freaking hate it. You do use. I like that you're energetic, but you do use Snapchat. I mean, I don't like the internet in general. And that's where I wanted to start before we get to Warren Moon, because I can't imagine that he's someone that likes social media as well. What is your thoughts right now on the internet as a whole? Well, I, we haven't talked about this in a while. <laughs> You're right. I, well, I'm changing, of course, because I'm uh, at an internet company, BleacherReport.com. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I, I certainly understand the importance of it. Yeah, but it's, what do you hate about it? Oh, well, you know what I hate Tell about it. Tell the people. Yeah, what is it? Instagram or Snapchatting? Snapchat? The, the Snapchatting of people who I don't give a damn what you're <laughs> doing in your life when you're walking your dog down the sidewalk or whatever it may be. I'm amazed with the egos and the narcissism in our country. Oh, I'm, I'm important. I'm walking down the street with my dog. Let me show everybody. Everybody wants to see this. Oh, this is so cool. I honestly think it's not as much ego as it is people are bored and they right. feel left out. Yes. There's this amazing Louis C.K. bit where he talks about have you ever driven a long distance and you feel the urge to pick up your cell phone and you just text someone because you're like, oh, I got to talk to somebody. Yeah, I think it's weird because our world is so connected right yes, now right. that when you're by yourself, you feel not connected. But I do think there's some ego that, oh, people want to see this. I see it on the train every day, though. You're what exactly do you mean? right. Every day. I mean, people can't get on the train. As soon as they sit down, they got to look at their phone I again. like to watch people when they're on a train and they have, like, their, I'm going mm, to reach Go for ahead, it. reach. Oh, <laughs> you like that. You've been touching that. You've been wanting to touch that all day. Yeah, you need to edit that out. <laughs> no, don't. Uh, leave that in. Someone will, like, good. use their phone. They'll use their phone and they put it down and they're there. And, like, two seconds later, they're like, ugh. You already checked everything. You got nothing left. Can't you just look out the window of the moving train? Go ahead, slide right, it in stop there. It. Give it a little okay. slide of room. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of topics, of course, with Warren Moon. As we wait, though, 
Um, to explain to people how good Warren Moon was, because in my mind, he is the most underappreciated quarterback maybe in the history of the NFL, and it's a storyline that's followed his whole life. Yeah, I, th- I think you're exactly right. He is underappreciated. I was glad to see him get in the Hall of Fame because he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, Warren Moon's one of those special quarterbacks, special players in general. When you see him in person, it's something that sticks in your brain. It really, really does. Uh, I think my mother only made comments twice in a football game in her life about the other team's quarterback, and one was with Warren Moon, and the other one was with Jeff George. So it's really, so so on. So you guys were at the game. You're sitting together. Well, first of all, what did she say about Jeff George? Well, she just she so noticed. You guys, you guys would go to games together and watch your dad play. Yes, right. Who was the crew? You, your mom, my aunt, and probably my grandmother. So you, wow, that's amazing. Right. So yes. you four, you and three older women would yes. go together. Right. And your mom turns to you about. Jeff George and says, "Oh, Christopher! I mean, he whoa, he can really throw that football. Oh my gosh, the spirals on the. I mean, and, you know, my dad's on the same field too, yes. and my dad could really throw it as well. So she was amazed by that, and that's exactly what she said about Warren Moon. I yeah, mean, what did she say? She about was Warren? just." I mean, it's just like he's not even trying, and the ball goes 50 yards down the field. And, again, the prettiness of the ball. I mean, Warren Mood is one of the greatest spiral throwers oh. ever. Quick release, strong arm. I mean, everything you wanted as a, as a quarterback is what Warren Moon had as a player. I, I highly recommend, I've been doing it all week to people in this office, if you haven't seen a football life Warren Moon, please go watch it. It'll teach you a lot about our culture and how it's changed. Sports is funny. It, it typically gives you what cultures were like as decades go on, right. what he battled through as a young kid with his father passing away and pretty much being the man of the house at around eight years yes. old. And all of the time, I've never heard of an athlete at more levels be doubted than Warren Moon. High school, sorry, man, you right. can't play quarterback. Right. College, you got to go to West Los right. Angeles College. NFL, we're not going to draft yeah, you. Yeah, go to then the Canadian it, League And first. wins five great cups in a row. Right. So Warren Moon's incredible. And I'm excited. I'm very excited to interview him because he mentored Cam Newton before the draft. Yes. And he's the color commentator on the radio for the Seahawks. Right. And he's friends with Russell Wilson. Yep. Perfect and, for our matchup. And couldn't be a better guy. That's what everyone's going to see. I mean, growing up, when I used to go to quarterback challenges and things with my dad, hey, all the quarterbacks are really cool. 99.9 of the NFL is as good a people as you can find. Mm. We just only talk about the Vontez Burfix of yes. the world. Uh, but Warren Moon was one of those guys, whether it was me or I had my friends with me, just couldn't be more welcoming mm. to young kids who he knew were looking up to him. All right, we're still waiting for Warren. He's going to be on in a second. But I want to talk about one topic that I had for late that we might not get to. Yeah. We were watching the game together on Saturday, right. and we're watching the Houston Texans-Kansas City, yep. and it's 13 nothing at halftime. Right. Brian Hoyer has thrown three interceptions, 61 yards. He's completed 7 of 14. And I'm watching him come off the field, and he's getting booed. Right. Like, just, just boos coming down from the rafters. And I'm curious. Yeah. One, are you asking for Brandon Whedon to come in the game? That's kind of ridiculous. As a quarterback, you mean, or the fans? The fans. Oh, you're saying the fans. And, right. and I was wondering, are fans supposed to go, come on, Brian, you can do it, or do they have the right to boo? Because my thing is, you're down literally two scores. Right. You could come back and take the lead. Right. You've been a resilient team all year. Right. From the athlete perspective, what it, it, the boos can't be helping. No, they can't help, but it is their right to boo. And as a professional athlete, I never had an issue with it. I, in college, really? College, I think it's a different animal. I really do. But as a professional athlete, they're paying a lot of money to see that game. The professional athlete themselves is being paid a lot of money to perform at a high level. And this was a playoff game in general. Yeah, is it the most constructive way of criticism? Certainly not. The thing I'll say, too, though, when you do walk on the sidelines, you will hear those people like, come on, Hoyer, you can get so it going. So you'll hear a few of those. There is people People there supporting yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. but yes, it's going to be drowned out by the all the booze. That's just life. That's price of doing business as a quarterback in the NFL. And hey, let's be honest. I mean, he played pretty darn bad. I mean, that's oh all there gosh. was to it. It's thirteen nothing. They have a chance to score a touchdown. Mm. Even if they get a field goal to make it thirteen three, that could be a completely different game. You went back. Let's. We're going to break down film as the show goes on yeah. too of uh, Kansas City Houston. Right. What did you see on film? What what stuck out to you? What are the big takeaways? Well, I, I think the big thing. Kansas City's defense always jumps out of you. Houston was what we expected them to be. What they can't generate big plays. Mm. The quarterback, of course, is not a top tier starting NFL quarterback, and they don't have a talented running back. I think all last week we thought, man, are they going to be able to score enough points yeah. really? Even though we expected it to be low scoring on both zero sides. Points. Right. Uh, and then you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, and, and this is a common theme with them. They are the kings of 
man, we've been whooping your butt for two quarters, but we're up 13 to nothing. Mm. And that's great last week. That game should have yeah. been 30 to nothing at halftime if you realistically look at it. Uh, so they're a very good football team. But, again, I think offensively challenged, not aggressive. That's going to be trouble going against the New England Patriots especially without Jeremy Macklin, who he might play, but he will not be close to 100%. He will not even this be This is near such it. an interesting time of year because you have the playoffs going on, the teams that really matter. Right. You have a bunch of coaches out there that are kind of getting hired right now. Right. It's like the haves and the have-nots are fighting for this timeline. Yes. Uh, and we're going to get into the playoffs later. I'm, as an Eagles fan right now at the coaching search, I've now... I'm rejecting our current social media, which is, tell me what's happening now. And now I'm kind of like, just let me know when it happens. Right, right. But I figured out who I want as my next head coach. Huh. I figured it out. I would like the Philadelphia Eagles to hire Tom Coughlin. <laughs> That's who I want. I want 70-something-year-old Tom Coughlin. Not because I think he's going to turn it around. Not because I think that he's going to make us a great franchise. I think they're going to be very good under Tom Coughlin. I think they're going to be great. But what it's going to do to Giants fans is (laughs) unbelievable. It's the equivalent... Gabe's a Giants fan. It's the equivalent of me taking pictures with Gabe's grandfather and posting them on Facebook and going, hey, check out my new grandfather. And then Gabe goes on and goes, wait, wait, that's mine. What it could do, I mean, I've gone around and I've talked to a ton of Giants fans. Right. I know you're enjoying this. They are so afraid. And Tom's, you know, 69, okay? Can we, the guy doesn't want to be 70 yet. Let him be 69 for a little while. They are so afraid because. You, you can, I mean, even though he coached at Jacksonville and coached at all these other places, if afterwards he puts on an Eagles hat on the sideline, right. for me, that's such a great benefit as a fan to know that I'm hurting the division rival. Well, uh, and strictly from the football standpoint, it would be not great be for the, the worst hire. Right. It'll get that organization back on a level playing field to where he's going to get everything ironed out. Front office, he's going he's gonna to let it be known. He's... You know, he's an Army general, so yes. he's going to get everybody in that organization back on their, you know, with their P's and Q's, dot yes. the I's, cross the T's. Certainly, I don't, you're right, I don't think it's a bad hire at all. I think at the end of the day, he's going to listen to a lot of these teams. San Francisco, they're saying he's going to interview, with, interview yeah. with them as well. But I don't know if there's one job that he's going to make. Man, I'm 69 years old. Do I definitely want to do this and get back the Are there any coaching the rumors out there right now that you're like, that's stupid? Uh, uh, or coaching candidates that you're like, I just don't get it? Oh, yeah, there, there is. Uh, I, Without insulting yeah, people. Yeah, well, no, uh, off the top. I mean, well, listen, I'm not a big fan of right off the – Ben McAdoo, offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. I think that would be a bad hire for the New York Giants. Mm. I think it would be a bad hire for anybody. If your Philadelphia Eagles want Ben I'd McAdoo, be then have fun with that. Uh, I don't think that's an offense that's very good. I think it's a lot of holes have been covered by two people, Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. And you saw, really – they don't have Odell Beckham Jr. in Week 16 against mm. the Vikings, and they can't do anything offensively, and they haven't been able to run the ball in two years as well. So that is one candidate I look at and I go, why? What has he done that says, oh, man, he is head coaching material? I mean, the Giants were – what was their Giants record last year? You know, 6-10? and 10? And then this year they're, they're, they ended up what, 6-10? and 6-10. and 10. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't know what you could say about him and what he's doing on that side of the ball other than that he's – Eli's comfortable with him that says, oh, he's the next stepping stone for our organization. It, it is interesting. I right. mean, a lot of Eagles fans are now talking about Doug Peterson being the next head coach, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I watch Kansas City's offense, and I'm... Well, if you want Doug Peterson, then I, I don't know. Why did you guys let go of Andy Reid? What, what's... He's Andy Reid light. Exactly right. It's um, just the same right. offense. Still waiting for Warren? Still waiting for Still Warren. Still waiting for Warren. He's allowed to be late because oh, I screwed him once already. Yes, and that will be fun to talk about. Uh <laughs> Of course, the college football championship was last night. Right. You watched it. Right. Uh, Nick Saban now has five national championships. What was – I'm curious. You watched the game last night. Which players did you go – I'm about to be talking about him a lot during the draft. Which oh. guys caught your attention? Well, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of guys. Gosh, there was – the first thing i got to say is this. If the Final Four – I'm still mad Ohio State was in the Final Four. Yeah. That, that robbed us of maybe uh, Nick Saban, Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer national championship game. Those are the two best coaches in college great football. great rematch. Maybe the two of the best in the history. Uh, the other thing I'll say is uh, – I mean, the SEC, they got to reevaluate. So the SEC is so much better than the rest of college football. I'm not trying to – I'm Big 12. But here we – this is the narrative of the game, and I'm glad we got into this because I've been wanting to say this all week. The narrative of the game was the number one team in the country, unanimous, all year long, Seven number one, number one. I mean, their quarterback's going to have to have a better performance than Vince Young to beat the one-loss SEC team. That's how good the SEC is. 
So that's my first thing. The SEC right now deserves two teams in the Final Four every year. My other thing is skill guys. I was amazed how young Alabama is. I mean, like our man Minka Fitzpatrick from St. Peter's yeah, in Jersey. I mean, he's covering every receiver on Clemson, man. I mean, he's a true freshman. I mean, the young people on Alabama, but the big people up front oh. on defense, they're linebackers. I can't remember all their names the yet. One guy, I mean, Jerron Reed is a guy that he's the one that tracked down uh, the quarterback on the sideline when he was going for two-point conversion. Exactly right. Of course, Ashawn Robinson's unbelievable. Right. The uh, two, both the ends for Clemson are legit. Yes. Kevin Dodd made himself a lot of money oh, last night. Oh, my gosh. Night. He is some good-looking player. And then, of course, Shaq Lawson right. was the big one. But uh, Mackenzie Alexander, the cornerback for Clemson, Stud. just his body type alone. Yes. And I and, uh, I was talking to Connor, who does a lot of our draft work. He was saying he might run like a 4-3. I, I could believe that. If that happens, he's I mean, a top 10, top 5 guy. But I don't just think he, he can looks. come out. Check Mackenzie Alexander. Mackenzie Alexander, I think, is a sophomore. Mm. I, I heard them say that on the telecast We're going to get into the prospects in a little bit. Right. But we have somebody who showed up on time. But Chris Sims was the one backing him off. We have a Hall of Fame quarterback, more than 49,000 passing yards in the NFL. And he entered the league when he was 28. The man that owns the prettiest spiral of all time, Warren Moon. Sim, say hi. Hey, Warren. What's up, man? I'm sorry I was late. <laughs> I really am. Chris, Blame CBS. Chris, you're a former quarterback, Chris. You, you know we're supposed to be earlier than what we're supposed to be, right? Uh, just so you know. Earlier know. than we're supposed to be there. That's part of our leadership. What happened? Did you lose that already? Uh, well, you, the people here will vouch for me and tell you I came in here mother effing everybody and I was mad I was late. So uh, that that I really am sorry for that, and I'm glad we're talking to you. I was mad because I thought I missed our interview with you, and I was really excited about this. So uh, Tell them a story. I changed the time just so I could talk with you. So I'm glad you made it, and uh, good, good to be on the air with you guys. You the man. I, I told a story before you came on, first of all, and we were talking about how you're one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the history of football, and I said you're one of the most, one of the greatest throwers I've ever seen in my life, whether it was going to quarterback challenges as a young kid when I'd see you there or when you would come to New York and play the Giants. But I said my mom only commented about two quarterbacks in her life throwing the football when we would go to the Giants game when I was growing up. You were one, and Jeff George was the other. You were a lot better than Jeff George. But uh, she was amazed with your spirals and how easily you could throw the ball down the football field. Now, that is a huge compliment coming from Mrs. Sim. But I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> that's huge. So I don't care about all these other pundits and analysts out there. If she thinks I'm okay, then I know I'm okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, we were excited to talk to you, one, because of all that you've achieved and where you are, of course, but also because you have such a unique relationship with this game coming up this weekend between Carolina and Seattle, having mentored Cam when he was kind of coming out of college and calling the game and, and appreciating Russell. I mean, heck, he's in your Twitter avatar. What is this game going to be like for you just watching and appreciating the two quarterbacks? Well, I've, I've seen these two go against each other now four times. Mm. So uh, it's, uh, it's something that makes me proud, first of all, to be able to be associated with both of them, to know that you know, I, I helped Cam when he was coming out of uh, college to try and get him more NFL ready because, you know, coming out of Auburn, all he did was be in the, uh, the spread offense. He never got under the center, didn't know much about the, the three, seven, and five-step drops and all that different stuff that goes with being a quarterback and throwing on time and throwing with rhythm. So um, that was a great uh, challenge for me to get this big man who uh, has a lot of legs and, and a lot of body that you had to get, you know, all in one um, – in, in 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 perfect, uh, I guess technique and in, in perfect, perfect fundamentals to get him ready to play uh, pro football. And he's done a great job of it. He came into the league on mm -hmm. fire, you know, throwing for over four thousand yards his first two years. And Russell Wilson, we all know what he's done since he's come in the league, only going to two Super Bowls and three playoffs. So, uh, both of these guys, I'm very proud of because I have uh, associations and relationships with both of them. Well, this is something I want to get your take on because, like you, you uh, you were underappreciated uh, here at Bleacher Report. We we've been calling Russell Wilson and Cam Newton top five quarterbacks for two years yeah. now. Uh, we don't understand what has taken so long for the national media, the rest of people watching football, to recognize this. And I would I would want to know your input on why you think it took so long for everybody to realize what talented players they are. Well, I think you can only have so many elite guys. And you look at, you know, Peyton Manning, you look at uh, Tom Brady, you look at Drew Brees, you look at uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, 
you can go on and on. Uh, Brent Roethlisberger, these guys aren't going anywhere, and they haven't gone anywhere the last few years. So I think now with some of these guys getting a little bit older, you're going to start to see the the uh, the mantle start to change just a little bit, and, and some of these younger guys are going to start taking over. So I think Russell's finally at that point because of what he's done over the course of his career, and especially the way he's finished the season this year. 24 touchdowns, only one interception over the last seven games of the year. And then the way Cam has played all season long, his team has the best record in football, and he's played some of his best football in the fourth quarter when you want your quarterback playing his best. So I think that kind of moves these guys into that realm. I'm butting in on Adam. I wanted to ask you about both of their – the way they throw the football because I think it's interesting too. They're both very talented throwers. Cam Newton throws the ball almost exactly like you did. Very, very similar fundamentals. I, I think you would agree. And then Russell Wilson's almost a baseball motion. I guess I just wanted to maybe just talk about the different technique and how they make it successful. Yeah, I think everybody, you know, has their different throwing uh, motions. And that's why it's hard for me as a guy that tries to work with quarterbacks to tell a guy exactly how to throw. You have to throw, you have to grip the football that, that's best and most comfortable for you. And, and you look at Teddy Bridgewater, the way he throws the football is probably unorthodox. Or you look at Phillip Rivers, the way he throws it, they both come real low with it, but they're, they're effective with it. And then you look at the way Russell and Cam are, they're totally different in the way they throw it but they're very successful with it. As long as their fundamentals are in, in, in place, if they get their feet in the proper position, things like that, that's what makes a quarterback uh, successful as far as throwing the bar accurately in that, getting your body in, in frame with your arm, making sure your, uh, your feet are pointing in the right direction of the throw, making sure you get good torque, all those different things that go along with the throw. It doesn't really matter exactly where you come from over the top or sidearm or whatever. We see Aaron Rodgers throw the ball from every angle there is, mm-hmm. and he's still inaccurate with the football. Warren, I watched a football life with you, and it was one of the best ones I think they've done. And I didn't realize how hard your journey was going out of high school, every college telling you they wanted you to convert to a different position, having to go, of course, to West Los Angeles College, all you dealt with at Washington, going undrafted, the Grey Cups, all that. And it's interesting because you had to answer a lot of questions for Cam in the beginning about all the biases that he was facing. And I think Russell is still debated as a top quarterback. My question is, I think it's sad that I I still see racial issues there, and I think people want to avoid talking about it or avoid bringing it up. But I'm curious why you think it's still an issue. How have we not moved past this that great quarterbacks can be anybody? I don't understand it. Well, I think in football, that's known. I think in football, finally, as far as owners, general managers, coaching, they're going to go after the best player. and They don't care what color you are as long as you can play. And I think that's something that's refreshing where it always wasn't that way inside of football. But outside of football, you have analysts that come from all different types of backgrounds. And, you know, there's, you're not going to satisfy everybody. There's a lot of people that just don't like certain races. There's a lot of people that just won't ever come to the fact that certain races can do certain things. And that's just kind of part of what we, what we live in in our society. But as, as long as these guys are getting the opportunities to come into camps, to get drafted, to show what they can do, that's all you really ask for. And that's all I really wanted when I was coming out was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. These guys are getting it from the top all the way down, and that's all that really matters to me because the guys on the outside, yeah, they're going to have their opinions, and they're they're supposed to be able to have their opinions. That's their first amendment, amendment I mean, amendment rights of, of being in this country, but you're not going to satisfy everybody when it comes to that. For the young people that don't realize, Warren Moon is, of course, the first African-American quarterback to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Right. I left that documentary, whatever it was, and went, I did not realize how beautiful the ball was that you threw. Holy moly, that thing looks incredible. When you watch the game today, who do you think has the prettiest ball in the NFL today? Well, there's a lot of good throwers. I love the way Aaron Rodgers throws the football because he can throw it from a lot of different uh, launch points. It doesn't have to come over the top. It can come sidearm. It can come underhanded. I mean, the guy still gets great velocity on the ball, great accuracy no matter where the ball comes from. I think uh, Matthew Stafford has a, a really good arm as far as he can throw the ball from a lot of different platforms. And that's what, what impresses me more than the guys that just have one uh, distinct style. I think it's guys that, because when you're in the pocket, and, and uh, Chris, you know this, you're not going to always get a perfect uh, a perfect U-shaped pocket to throw the ball. You're not going to always get a perfect view. Sometimes you have to throw the ball between people. Sometimes you have to throw it under guys. And the guys that can do that the best and still get the same uh, production out of it are the guys that really impress me the most. Yeah. 
All right. I always gotta I always gotta ask, you know, players of your generation some some history. So I wanna go back into the eighties and nineties. Uh, I wow. want to know about six concussions, Chris. I might not have a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do your best. If you can remember, uh, I want to know maybe best defense you remember playing in your career. And then just one defensive player where you were just like, man, I got to play him this week. He always gives me a, a hard time, whoever it may be. I think best defense I ever played was probably the uh, Philadelphia Eagles back when Reggie White was there, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, right. uh, Seth Joyner, I mean, you name it, those guys brought it. And I'm sure your dad knows a lot about those guys <laughs> uh, playing against the Giants twice a year. Uh, they, we played them on a Monday night game one night, and and uh, our receivers and our, our offense had really been you know taken off th- that season, and they really put a physical beat down on our receivers that night. They, they just really intimidated us and uh, really got after me a little bit as well. I think they won the game something like 7-6. to six. It was a really low-scoring right. game, but they, they really got after us. And then there's, there's about three players that I really respected a lot, Reggie White being one of those who was on that Philadelphia team, Bruce Smith, who I played against many times at Ooh. Pittsburgh, I mean, at uh, Buffalo, excuse me. And then uh, Lawrence Taylor, of course, uh, a teammate of your dad's there at the New York Giants who kind of changed the way people play outside linebacker. Right. Mm. We have we have six quarterbacks left in the playoffs right now that I think can all be down in the running for trying to be a top-five quarterback all time. Brady, Rodgers, Big Ben, Russell, Cam, Payton. Cam and, and of course, uh, Russell Wilson right. have a lot more catching up to do. But do you think that they can reach statistically and the level of the Peyton, the Rodgers, the Brady? You know, I think they can if their offenses ask them to do the same things those guys are asked to do. They oh. throw the ball anywhere from, you know, 30 to 40 times a game. So when you're getting that many opportunities, you're going to put up big numbers. But the way the game has changed and the rules in that, uh, it's definitely a passer's game. It's a passer-receiver game. And if they continue to keep throwing the ball, I don't know about Russell because Pete Carroll is going to always be a coach that wants, you know, that really good balance in his offenses. But Cam, it looks like his is is, is kind of gearing more towards he's going to throw the football a little bit more. So he might have more of a chance than Russell. But if Russell gets more opportunities, both of these guys, I think, have the ability to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to ask. Go I, ahead, I, look, him. Go you, ahead. you say opportunity. Not only have we been touting Russell Wilson and Cam Newton now for a long time, we have also been so annoyed with the Seattle offense for the past two years. <laughs> and what Dar- I- I'm not even going to mince words. Daryl Bevel's offense, from when you show me the film, right. it's the same five plays every week. It's not good. <laughs> it, how, how, it, 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 does it make it even more impressive that Russell's doing this? And what do you think of the offense? I don't know if you could be honest about this. I really like the offense, to tell you the truth. Uh, you got, but it all starts with offensive line play. You're only allowed to do so many things if you can't block up front. Well, that's fair. Right. But we were the number four offense in the league this year, based off of uh, you, you know of how much we throw the football. But Pete wants to be balanced, and we're going to start everything running it. We were the number two team rushing the football this year, and I think we finished somewhere around number ten in passing. But um, that's just kind of the way Pete wants it. He wants to be very, very balanced. He wants to keep the score low. His defense is going to play great. They're going to play good special teams, and we're going to win games in the fourth quarter. That's the way he wants to do it. So we're never going to throw for a lot of yards around here on a consistent basis if Pete Carroll is going to be the coach. Right. It's a really good talking Yeah, he's, he yeah. got you there. He was right. You got one more before we uh, no, get to no, the No, I think that was it. All right, so uh, I, I want to say this, too. I think the thing that I appreciate about you is you're not afraid to get behind a cause. You recently teamed up with ForThePlayers.com. It's an essential resource for people that do not know, for retired players and their families. It's a way of connecting, receiving accurate information and proper legal representation, which no one talks about when it comes to concussion, co- the concussion conversation. I'm curious, again, ForThePlayers.com. If you would have known back then about the true impact of concussions on your long-term health, would that have changed the way you played the game, Warren? I definitely would have changed the way I played. I would have still played the game, but I would have maybe not taken as many risks as I did in the game. I probably wouldn't have put my head down and tried to go for those extra yards every now and then when I really didn't need to, those types of things. I I just would have been much more conscious of of playing the game as safe as I possibly can, but still play it, you know, with an aggressive attitude as far as what I had to do as a quarterback. Um, And I think even knowing that I was going to get concussions or injury was part of the game, 
like I said, I would have made it uh, a little bit of, of a change just because if I would have known the long-term effects. That's what players didn't know about back in the day. They knew that they were susceptible to concussions because it's a collision game, but they didn't know about what the long-term effects were. So that's what, what, what would have made me change the way I played just a little bit and played a little bit more safer. I imagine you saw the movie Concussion. Um, I don't see it. I kind of lived it. I didn't, it's yeah. nothing I really see, you know, but yeah. because... There were people in that movie that were depicted that were really good friends of mine, like uh, Dave Durison, who took right. his life, Seau, and guys like that. And um, that movie's about the past. And I lived in that past, and I'm all concerned about what's going on now and in the future. And I'm glad that the NFL is finally doing a lot more to try and help make this game safer by the way the rules have changed, the way the game is being coached, by the way the equipment is being improved, and by the way guys are being penalized if they don't play by the rules. So things are going in the right direction, but the things that happened in the past we can't do anything about now except for taking care of these guys when it comes to this uh, concussion settlement. And that's what this uh, for the players. Uh, Dot com is all about. It's, it's, it's an information source to make sure they know the, the right uh, process that they're going to have to go through in order to get this compensation, because it's going to be a very uh, difficult process to get the uh, compensation that they deserve. Yeah, listening to that answer, it's interesting, because tell me if I'm right, Warren, I feel like a lot of media people are going are gonna to get older players like yourself, and they're going to shove a microphone in your face, and you're going to go, did you feel lied to? Because they're trying to get you to either speak bad about the league or to warn future generations. And the thing that's interesting is, I look at your generation that put in all this hard work to get to the game where it is, you kind of knew the risks, but at the same time, I think it's almost unfair that the media has now tried to turn former players players against the game that you guys played so much. What has it been like with the movie and the conversation about concussion? Has it kind of been like a little bit, do you and, and former players talk about it? Like, man, I really don't like answering these questions in the way they're phrased to me. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of guys feel that way. And, and again, we know, we knew what the risks were when you go out there and play a, a sport like this. But again, some of the long-term effects not only did we not know, but a lot of the medical people didn't know. They didn't know because of all the research that's been done here probably in the last 10 or 15 years. Now they know so much more about what uh, concussions can do to you long term. So, um, again, I would have played the game. I, I just would have did it a little bit differently. But a movie is a dramatization. So they're going to make that movie to where people are going to be interested in it. And it's not totally true. It's not a documentary, but it is based off of a lot of stuff that probably did happen. And... Uh, you, that's why they made the movie. I think it, 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 what it does is it, it opens the conversation about concussions, which is great. And hopefully as people see it, uh, they don't get too alarmed by it because I, I still want young kids to play the game. And, and that's where the game is going to really change and become safer is by how it's taught at the young levels, at the grassroots levels. When these young kids are taught not to use their head, to keep their heads up when they're tackling, use the proper techniques, all those different things, that's what's going to help make the game safer as we move along. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. One of the coolest jersey number names you'll ever see. Moon with a one under oh, it. Oh, man. Throw it a moon ball. Oh, my gosh. Warren Moon, again, ForThePlayers.com. We appreciate your time, my man. Thanks. Guys, thanks for having me on, man. Thanks, next Warren. Next time, on time, boy. I'll, I'll be on time. I won't mess with you again. <laughs> see ya. I'll see you down the road. You guys take care. Thanks, ya, man. Uh, he's awesome. awesome. Yeah, we'll see him at the Super Bowl, and he'll treat us like we're friends. Like he's—that's just the kind of guy he is. I mean, if you watch the, uh, the, the <laughs> football life, it starts off with him and his grandson making right. uh, like oatmeal raisin cookies. Right. He's just a good guy. He is a great guy. Um, he did bring up though the concussions and all that, and there was a big news with it right. that happened because of Vontez Perfect, the hit on Antonio Brown. Right. Antonio Brown goes down, 15-yard penalty. A lot of stuff ensued. Pac-Man Jones. Few interesting things have happened. I was just with Pac-Man, so. You were just with Pac-Man yes. and inside the NFL. Right. Pac-Man came out on Instagram or on Dan Patrick's show and said, man, Antonio Brown was faking it. Right. He winked at me. Right. I would go, man, Pac-Man, you're crazy. But we watched the game together, and right when it happened, you went, I think Antonio Brown's faking it right now. He embellished it, no doubt about it. Do I, I mean, he got hit in the head. We all know that. Yes. I do think he embellished it. He did it. drop. The way he dropped and just let his arms flail on the side, first of all. 
Uh, that's not what people that get knocked out do. In fact, it's the opposite. When you get knocked out in the head, people's arms spasm, right? And they get stuck in that position you see. They get stuck like this because like their head, their body's in spasm because their nervous system's just been knocked out. So yeah, I do think he embellished it. I'm not mad at him for it, but this is what I don't want this to become soccer, okay? Where we're gonna like, oh, he fake kicked me on the ground and I'm gonna lay there and waste time for the clock to run or whatever the hell they do in soccer. No, what drives me crazy is uh, yeah, I think right now we're at such a sensitive state. They know if they play it up a little bit, the, the, the flag is going to come no matter really what. And it's really dangerous. Like, I'm not going to lie. I feel nervous hearing, even hearing you talk about that, like that. Right. Because talking about concussions or faking concussions, I mean, it, I now, think now has, we equate it to, like, brain damage and stuff. And it's a little scary. Like, I'm, it's a tough conversation right. to I have. think he had I, – I don't doubt he had – well, this is the first thing. Just to stop that stuff from happening, if you go down like this and just start down you like this – You can't play the rest of the game? You can't play the next week either. You're done. You're knocked out. You're you done. You thought Teddy Bridgewater was milking it. I did. I did. Yeah. So if you're like this on the ground, you're done for that game and the next week. Automatically, you're knocked out. How can you play? So I do think he just embellished it. At the same time, do I think what Vontez Perfect did was wrong? I do. Uh, I uh, and you've. I think you've heard me say it. I mean. Ryan Shazier was wrong as well, how he hit uh, uh, not, uh, Giovanni Bernard. Yes. Uh, that was just as egregious. Yes. It was crown of the helmet to Giovanni Bernard's head. But Ryan Shazier has never been fined or done anything yes. wrong in the NFL standards. Vontez Burfecht has been fined by the NFL seven times. Vontez This Burfecht. is the seventh time. Vontez Burfecht, let's get into that conversation. Right. He's been in the league for four years. Right. He has faced $700,000 right. in fines. Right, right. There are people in this world who have not made $700,000 in their lifetime. Right. $700,000 in fine. This is the first time he's suspended. It's going to be a three-game suspension. Uh, I will say this about Vontez Perfect. Yes. As I've listened to radio shows and watched TV shows, right. man, do people get pleasure out of telling you he's a bad person. Oh, I know, which it, is so wrong. It is so interesting to me that Hasn't people are Hasn't been like, in trouble off the field Vontez since he's been in the NFL. Perfect. He is awful. I feel like people almost want to demonize NFL athletes because it makes them feel better about themselves. But we can agree that Vontez Perfect on the field has done things that is not acceptable. His hit against the Ravens on Max Williams, unacceptable. Right. Blindsides trying to hurt people. You speak about the brotherhood. Right. My question is yes, this. Yes, that's what I was going to say. What? Just that. I mean, you know, that ball, he saw that it was incomplete. The ball went through. He you thought, a, yeah. He, he could have held up. Now, he could have killed Antonio Brown, too, so don't get mm. me wrong. But he did not have to throw the shoulder in Antonio Brown's head there. That, as a player as in the brotherhood, you know, yeah, take care of each other a little bit. Yes. He had enough time to react and see that ball go off his hands. It was already on the ground yes. by the time he hit him. If Burfick didn't do that hit, right. he could have been the MVP of that game. He probably he was. He had probably the yes. game-clinching interception. Right. He was all over the field. Right. And it seemed for once, I remember commenting you during the game, it was almost like he finally challenged his energy to be right up to the line. Right. He was getting the Pittsburgh Steelers upset, but he wasn't cross the line. The right. pick ran into the locker room. Burfick is a hero. He clearly is extremely talented. Very. But he also now gets a coach like Marvin Lewis on the chopping block. Yeah, right. So as a coach, how do you deal with a player that could get you fired because right. he shows that you have lack of institutional control, right. but he also is one of the top ten linebackers in the NFL? Yeah, well, uh, Marvin has total control of that organization. Uh, Marvin's turned around a number of people's lives in that organization. Pac-Man Jones being one. But how do you one. balance that? Yeah, well, he, it, it, there's really no balancing act. That's just something that he's going to have to continue with Vontez Burfecht as he grows up. He's going to have to rely on Pac-Man Jones and Carlos Dunlap to be good friends and leaders to him. Uh, but I think Marvin Lewis has to realize in taking chances on players like Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Burfecht, who nobody drafted Vontez Burfecht. Vontez Burfecht was before his last year of college, was looked at as a first-round draft pick. Then he had a bad senior year yes. last year, whatever it was. And, of course, he had issues off the if field. If you were a head coach, would you put your job on the line for those guys? Uh, I would. Yes, I would. I really would. And I, that's what I respect about Marvin Lewis. He, he sticks his neck out there a little bit to help some of these guys. Yeah, they maybe are somewhat troubled, uh, but he gets them back on the right path. And I, but I think also he's got to realize in doing that, you're going to have moments like we saw Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, I guess I'm just players. confused from all these people, radio show hosts and fans that are like, get him out of the game, he's bad for the game. And I want to be like, no, the game polices itself. Right. He will be fine, he'll lose all the money. He just lost three game checks right. from next season. Right. And you know what? If, if the team, I, I just think if you're talented enough to play, and it brings us to another guy, 
Greg Hardy. I don't even know if you've seen this news no. yet. Mincy had some interesting words, and our uh, esteemed producer, Josh okay, Fedrick, is going to give us Yeah, some so info. this was an interview with uh, KDFW4 in Dallas, and one of the first things they asked him about was the tension in the locker room. This is Jeremy Mincy, correct? Jeremy Mincy, correct. Right. Uh, they asked Mincy about the tension that Hardy created in the locker room, and the quote was, yeah, the tension definitely grew. I hate that it happened. You talk about a team that was so close-knit and tight, and all of a sudden it was just different. I wouldn't say that he's the reason for that happening, but sometimes change, sometimes if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? And sometimes with change, the team is different. Um, and then the next question they asked him was, would it be difficult to bring Hardy back this after his one-year redemption tour? And Mincy said, quote, yeah, it will be. I think it will be good for the younger guys, which I don't know how they feel about him personally. I mean, I haven't spoken to them or asked. It would be me or him. You see what I'm saying? It would be either or. It's hard to have two type of line mentality guys in one room, so it's tough to figure out who the younger guys are going to follow. Of course, they're going to look up to a guy who's a prolific player, but I just understand the game, and I know what it takes to win. So literally what you have there is you have a veteran D lineman saying, I was trying to set an example for our young players, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, and Greg Hardy's in there missing meetings, not showing up on time, and not being reprimanded for right, it. Right. How can I teach these young kids when a stud defensive lineman who's putting up great tape is not showing up? That's an issue. What, and we've talked about this before. If he doesn't work out with Dallas, where does he work out? Right. What do you think when you hear that? Well, there's a lot of things I hear. I, I did not read this. I only had saw the headline That's real quick. That's why I'm excited. So, uh, but uh, there's first things I want to say is this. Jeremy Mincy was not perfect early on in his career at Jacksonville. I mean, he that's that's why he wasn't in Jacksonville. He was a first-round pick, right, out of Florida. So that's why he didn't last very long there because he had some issues. So, But maybe he's learned like from he it. He has learned. There's no doubt. And I think I think he's trying to tell you that. So hopefully he can have a little leeway for Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy's going to find a spot somewhere because he is too talented. Kind of what we just uh, said about perfect. Yeah, exactly right. He's too talented. Some team is going to take that chance on him. Um, so that is a very tough thing to do. And the other thing I'll say there, too, when he says him or me, you know, is he talking about the follower? Because really – they're, they're going to probably fight for the same roster spot this offseason. That's it's probably like, what he was saying. So there is a little bit too. So is that message a little convoluted or maybe swayed in Jeremy Mincy's favor because he'd like to stay in Dallas and be the starting defense end? So I also look at that. I don't know if that yeah. was what he was trying to but, intend you know, to it, do. It's really interesting. Yes, those are int- That's why New England Patriots don't sign guys like that most of the time. That's why you don't see the Giants with those type of players. I know Odell Beckham Jr. and Josh Norman yeah, They're happen, not the same thing. But, yes, traditionally, I think if you look at those teams, the New England Patriots, the Giants, uh, really been the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you said you would take those guys, but I know you respect those organizations. I do. I know. I, I do. I, I understand that. I think I would take them because I feel like if I was a head coach, I can hopefully blend those personalities. Belichick, he can do it to a degree – he can get guys up there that maybe haven't been the most sound of guys because they know when they go up to New England that, okay, they can win without me here. Right. They don't need me that badly. Yeah, when you have four so Super Bowl rings. You out. But he very rarely takes those chances on those type of guys. It's once in a while, and it's calculated. I think he knows more than maybe he That's lets interesting. on. Uh, you mentioned New England. I have a question about New England people. So Bob Quinn, who was the Patriots director of pro scouting, someone that I think you were kind of close to. I in was, England, very much. He goes to Detroit to become their GM. I was one of his boys as well. That's hilarious. <laughs> when you look at the Patriots front office people, we always talk about Patriots coaches, and it's hard to trust them because Bill's been doing everything. Right. I think it's almost the same thing with front office people. <laughs> yes. Pioli? Hasn't been swimming wherever he's gone. Right. Dimitrov hasn't been great. Right. Now you have a guy in Bob Quinn. I'm curious, do you, is it hard to hire and trust New England people? And why? Because, look, they're going to understand what a great organization looks like. Is it because they didn't have to help build it? Like, what's the issue? Well, I think the big thing is the, the, you know, why some of the New England people don't work out is because of what you just said. I, I do, Bill makes all the decisions. And all of them? All, just about every single one. Now, if there's like maybe a, a practice squad guy or something that he goes, okay, Nick Casario, who's the pro player personnel guy there, he might let him make the decision on something that yeah. that's that's not really has any direct effect on the team at that moment. Uh, but yes, for the most part, he makes every decision. 
the whole job of the New England Patriots organization is to supply Bill with information. That's mm. what you're doing. And he's just getting the information from offensive staff, defensive staff, college scouts, pro scouts, Nick Casario, whatever it is. And then he's making the proper decisions. In saying that, I think that's why you don't see people leave there and are always successful because they don't know what went on in his mind or why he made some of the decisions. Can you go to Bill Belichick as a Bob Quinn and go, I'm just curious. I want to get better at my job. Why did you make that decision? No, you cannot. Bob Quinn could not. Maybe a Josh McDaniels maybe could. Maybe. Why J- could he not? Well, Bob wouldn't have never really been in that moment to make those dis- have those discussions, and Bill probably wouldn't have time for it. I mean, Bob Bob Quinn has been there for a long time, so he understands how things work. Yeah. Uh, the one thing Bob will do, hey, we'll see if he can get the right players on that team and build a team, but he will certainly put the right plan in place to get that going. That's the brilliant thing about hiring the New England people. Their scouting department, the way they do things, the amount of work, how detailed they are, yeah. that's going to help their that's organization. That's kind of ingrained in them. That's going to help their organization. Though, that front office is going to get there and go, oh, my gosh, this is what New England's been doing? Really? Well, no wonder. Wow. So why more. do you think Josh McDaniels could ask him? Well, I, I don't know if Josh would necessarily ask him, but Josh is going to be around him in the coaching staff meetings all the time. They're going to talk about situational football a little bit. He's hey, obsessed Josh, with situational well, football. Yes, and Josh, you know, Josh is, you know, hey, Josh, I want to call this on third and five, then Josh will be able to say, well, why do you want me to call it? Yeah. I like this one. And Could Josh so, ever ask Bill about front office stuff or no, what it's like? No. That just doesn't go on in football world. This is not like a new age it's company where they sit in meeting and, yeah, rooms? exactly right. This is not, yeah, you're it's right. It's not Bleacher Report. It's not Bleacher Report where it's like, yeah, feel free to talk. You work here. Your voice is equal too. No, it's not equal in football. Football is very military-like. I mean, that's just the way it is. Oh, no, you're the offensive coordinator? Just worry about the fucking offense. Well, we have a defensive coach to worry about the defense. And so a coach would find guy. it more annoying if a guy wanted to get better at his job than just doing his job. Right. You're just going to hold. Gosh. Yeah, right. They don't have email. <laughs> no email in the NFL, apparently. <laughs> no, that's unreal. They do have email. But you're, you're right. I mean, that's just part of it. There's other coaches, I think, out there in the NFL who might walk their coaches through why they make a decision and certain things like this. Yeah. Uh, but... If you're there with Bill enough, long enough, especially as a coach, you're going to learn things just through the everyday mm. monotony, the meetings, all of it. I mean, Billy O'Brien, we're seeing him be successful. Yeah. I mean, Romeo Cornell is a really good defensive mind. I don't think he was ever cut out to be a head coach. Gotcha. Uh, but it, it's an interesting place, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Let's bring in our head man, Steven Nelson. Wow, look hey, at this. Oh, look while at we this, get Nelson in man. here. I didn't know we had a Hollywood rock star look at this. here. Unbutton the shirt, <laughs> show a white I needed, I needed to do it. You've been saying, like, I want you to come on the podcast, and I finally you worked up the courage to ask Sarah Woody, and she's like, yeah, do it. Do it. This so is kind of your look. You rocked us around the Along, office. Yeah, all hey, the time. Before we get going with Nelson, I do want to issue a correction from before. Mackenzie Alexander is draft eligible. Oh, yes. As of time of yep. taping, he is not declared. But okay. if he does, Connor says definitely a top ten pick. Man, oh, yeah, so he'll, he'll be coming out. He looks like it. a freak right. show. So he, was there's like a three or four. Richard Sophomore. Richard there's okay. a three or four really good corners in this draft. Really good. Well, that was Hargraves, the... Ramsey, this kid. Right. I mean, those are... Top notch. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to dive into all this stuff here, so I am you ready for that. To that. I, I mean, yeah, I am. Yeah. I am ready for it. I mean, it's uh, still have free agency too. I know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to start getting on. NFL my is 365. 365. Not even. It's, a, it's, it's, it's crazy. Good, man. Um, is the is DJ Simons rolling? He is spinning. You know, fellas, <laughs> we've we've all heard the saying, "Home is where the heart is." Now I disagree because home. <laughs> is with the San Antonio Spurs beat everybody. 22-0 to start the years, guys. Start the year. And it is also the place home where Boris Diaw. They're not 22-0 this year at home. They're at 20, home. Uh, but this year. But all this year, all 22 wins are at home? Well, no, 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 no. Some no, go no, to last year. Games. I thought they've won 22 in a row. 22 games at home this right. year. They've won them all. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Golden State Warriors also won beating at 18-0. Right. Time to take it. Right. Boris Diaw plays for the Spurs. He keeps at home an espresso machine by his locker room. Mm, He calls himself the Borista, which is a fantastic nickname. The Borista. Fantastic. My question for you two is, what would be your desired locker luxury? I remember when all the sports leagues were going through that phenomenon. I think Mark Cuban started it, where he put, like, TVs and PlayStations and everything. Did you have anything? No, I was never in a locker room like that. I was in some new locker rooms, like in Tampa, but it was a nice new locker room. There was no, like... 
we had a lot of plugs in our locker. Did, to, oh, but, you know. did people bring in anything crazy? <laughs> did you have anything that was unique to your locker? No, I really didn't. No, I, I, you know, I kept in, I always had a pair of these Air Jordan Warren Sap cleats that he had gave me in my rookie year. I always kept those in my locker. That's very, uh, though, like football related. Yeah, but no, nothing crazy. What no. it, do you wish, you, like looking back on it, you're like, ah, I wish I would have had that there for after games, pre-game, something there? Yeah, I wish, uh, little things, like I wish I just had like a nice big leather chair to sit in in front of my locker instead of like sitting on the stool like <laughs> what the hell we're in this locker a lot yeah. so can I have something comfortable to sit on uh, but no like yeah, what, other, is, what other luxury items would stuff you stuff has gone I am so this so my NFL career started in Tampa at one buck place you guys almost need to look up one buck place if you're watching this podcast our first facility was literally 100 yards from the runway at Tampa International Airport. So when we were outside practicing, we had crowd noise all the time. We didn't need speakers. Oh. So, it was, so yeah. it was constant. And it was this facility that was so small and had a bunch of trailers hooked up to it. And we only had four working showers. So you would literally have a line out the door. So you guys weren't signing many free agents, I can imagine. Uh, back then. Yeah, it certainly you wasn't. had to draft a lot of that team. Uh, you know what? No, we didn't. We had free agents, too. My, my, people go where the money is. They don't care oh, about the shower true. heads. So, All right, so, so what luxurious items would you want now? Yeah, I would have wouldn't have mind like a little TV in there. Just yeah. to be like, oh, you know, we're hitting here for 20 minutes. Let me watch, you know, whatever it may be, the highlight shows, whatever it is. Yeah, you've been visited the locker room since... Since yeah, then, right? Have you seen anybody? If, I don't know if you want to name the names where you're like, ah, oh, that's look. They have a lot there. They have maybe too much. Well, I mean, you've heard me talk about Brian Dawkins of this Wolverine. He had a, he had a second locker, locker right? just yeah. for Wolverine figures in his locker. Uh, so that <laughs> is always crazy to me. I'd like a water bed. Yeah, I had one. I think what I had one as a kid. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say you have one now. No, 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 no. no. I would use that every night. It was and it was heated too. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) sauna bed. It was like it was (laughs) like a I don't know family heirloom handed down from the seventies. Ew. I oh I would get I think I would get seasick. I didn't know that when I first signed up for the water bed, but yeah. Yeah. I like the <laughs> espresso. You like the espresso? Good. I, I might have I that, like that too. I didn't know you were Jewish. <laughs> I, I am. That was the first time I've heard you say espresso correctly. Normally it's an espresso with you. Oh, did I messed up. It's almost when he said earlier, I believe it was to Warren Moon, convoluted. convoluted. That was good. Did I say that? <laughs> Next one. Ah, I wasn't going to call you out. What do you think Josh would have in his locker? Josh, what would you have in your locker? Uh, I would love to have a trap door on the inside of my locker that I could open up and then like walk through my locker into a private lounge. So you would that, get the oh, you George want, like, Costanza. The, you know, he wants the, uh, you I know, the like Clay a, Matthews. Hey, let me have my Campbell soup, Mom. I want, like, a battle station back there <laughs> that I could just go through my locker to get to. All right, I'd DJ Steinmetz. That was great. Spin that shit. The brothers are back together. And this is a story that might make your feet feel warm and fuzzy inside. Rex and Rob reunited in Ooh, Buffalo. Baby. So fun. Rob joining Rex's staff. You guys are both brothers of Jason and Matt, of course. My question for you two is, if you were to hire your brother to work for your NFL team, what would the job be? I love that, by the way, the defensive coordinator on Buffalo right. is now going to be doing like just secondary, and it's Rob and Rex going to be calling all the plays yeah. they announce. Right. Uh, answer the man's question. Well, you I mean, Rex has to start getting, he has to be directly involved this year. This is his butt's on the line. So he's mm. going to get fired. He better start coaching his defense. Those two on the sideline so, together. Oh, it's uh, going to look great. Oh, I mean, I, I want my, my brother would have to do like the same thing I did in New England. He'd have to be bitch boy. You're going to go back to the bottom <laughs> of the barrel and be the bitch boy and do all the dirty work uh, because that's how you're going to get your first taste and love and respect for really what's going in to start the process. Even though I was the boy even bill used to say you're really the wheels that keep make this keep go so and you believe that uh, shit, i bought hilarious. it i was like you're right coach belichick <laughs> uh, let me break down this game even more uh but yeah i would make him do that without a doubt that's great uh i would do i would probably have him as like strength and conditioning coach mainly because i want to see him try and teach these star insane athletes <laughs> how to lift and they look at him and then he would just because that's his bread and butter right now. Yes, yeah. moving weight. You always talk uh, about how big Jason is. Yeah, he like he likes to tell he me loves, how big he, he is. He loves it. <laughs> he comes in, he goes, "Hey Adam," and he like lifts me off the ground. I'm like, "Yes, you're bigger than me and you're younger than me." Would your dad be the GM? Uh, my, I would let my dad do play by play on the radio oh, for the team. <laughs> yes, that would be great. This is funny. Do you guys? Th- I've been meaning to ask both of you this question. When you guys 
heard this news that Rob was going to be joining Rex staff, did you just immediately go, this is the nepotism and politics that you guys have talked about before Ooh. in the NFL, or does it make sense for what Buffalo Which wants weird to for them, yeah. I feel like because of how Rob was let go and because I didn't think it was warranted because I thought the Saints roster just stunk right. and Rob took all the brunt for that, that I can imagine that insti- Rob has never gotten an opportunity to advance to a head coach never in his mm-hmm. life. And I kind of think it's them beating the system in a way. That was my initial feeling. But you bring up a great point because you've always talked about nepotism. Yeah, yeah, well, and I think this this goes on, forget football, any walk of life. I mean, your yeah. brother gets fired. I mean, yeah, this is a guy that can call his own shots and wreck, so he brings his brother in to help out. Uh, yeah, the NFL, though, it is a just recycled coaches after recycled coaches. Sometimes I wonder... Man, they love to hold the players accountable, but yet they fail at their job, they get fired, and they have the same exact job in yeah, another organization, true. which drives me crazy at times because I go, man, there's other guys out there that are worthy of that job, uh, but they don't go with them because they don't know them or they don't trust the situation. Or, you know, I, I coached with him back in 1988. He's a good guy. I can drink a <laughs> beer with him, and I can tell him something, and he won't tell him. I wonder how many moms in the Buffalo area were going, Honey, give your brother a job. <laughs> Rob, Kai, and Rex, you can do it. He's on the couch. He's got. He's really good with computers. Right. He's on the internet all the time. Jewish Long Islanders <laughs> up there in Buffalo, huh? Yeah. Are you uh, going to bleep that out or is that going to be all gone? Okay. okay. Fedrick okay. Lamar, would you like to move on to game picks? Is the game to. picks. Uh, can you update the folks on what happened last I week? I can. So last week you guys picked uh, all the same picks for all four games. So you both went two and two, which means Lefko, you still have a two-game lead heading into the divisional round. We, as far of course, as got Pittsburgh wrong because of Vontez Perfect and Adam Jones. No, and you guys, Jeremy Hill. Yeah, Jeremy Hill, you're right. You guys Everybody's the, losing fact of Jeremy Hill and the coaches of the Steelers in this uh, this conversation, and all we're talking about is Vontez Perfect. No, Joey Porter and Mike Munchak, they need to be talking yeah, about. Yeah, and then, of course, we lost Green Bay, Washington. Which right, which what we said. We were scared Aaron Rodgers could end up. And I would, I would like to point out that all year on this podcast, we've talked about not betting against good quarterbacks, and you guys brought this up on Sunday, but right. the two games you got burned on were the two games where you didn't trust Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers. I got burned Rogers. on those all The entire year. season, yeah. Yeah, any it, game it, it, I lost to him, I picked the team, he picked the quarterback, and he won. It teaches you a lot. It, it is something to think about right. because I kind of like using picks to look at you know, which teams win. And any time it was 50-50, right. I went with the better quarterback, and right. that team typically won. Right. It's, I mean, it even happened that week when you picked three crazy games. Yeah, right, I know. I had the three better quarterbacks, right. the Cam Newtons, and it was just right. It's crazy. Yeah, right. I picked Derek Carr and the Raiders. It's the most right. important position in sports. Yeah. Take it away, Nelson. Let's the first it. game, your old stomping grounds. Foxborough, New England hosting Kansas City, the hottest team in the world. God, your voice New England, is so New England, New England. Patriots, Patriots, yeah, Patriots. Yeah, this, yeah. this was going to be the game where I went Kansas City. Cam, uh, our producer out there, is a huge Kansas City fan. And we spent majority of the walk going, I think Kansas City's going to shut down Tom Brady. And I do. I just, when we get to that quarterback discussion, Alex Smith gave Brian Hoyer so many opportunities last week, mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. I have to go to New England. But if Kansas City beats the spread, I think it's New England by five, I think that game's going to be really close. Because I think Kansas City's defense matches up really well with New England's offense. They definitely do. I think the thing you got to remember is no Jeremy Macklin's going to really hurt oh, them. I mean, that's, gonna, that's killer. Because now they can just focus on Kelsey. And that's really all you have to focus on in that pass offense. The other thing I'll say about this I think New England's offensive line, it's going to be very healthy and ready to go. We very rarely see Tom Brady get hit like he did in that last game against the Dolphins. I mean, usually we rave about how nobody hits him. And I think that's what will happen once we get here in the playoffs. Uh, But the other thing, one of my favorite players is Ron Parker, right? Yes. Ron Parker is a safety, but on passing situations, they make him the nickel cover corner, right? I think that's going to be a problem in this game. And I'm a huge Ron Parker fan because Ron Parker's really a safety that's what he is. And now he's going to have to cover the quickest slot receiver in football, man-to-man. So I just hope they're creative in helping him out. Because that's going to be been creative hard. all year. He's been better than years past. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Uh, so that's going to be a huge storyline to me because we know Edelman being back – it's going to be the middle of the field, Edelman working the yeah. underneath, and it's going to be Peters Gronk over the top yeah. of it. So that's what I would like them to do. Yeah. Put Peters on him. Because I just I look at Chiefs' defense compared to the Patriots' offense, and I go, what are the things that can mess up the Patriots? A team that can play man-to-man on multiple positions, that's what Kansas City does. Mm-hmm. A team that has speed pass rushers against a pretty you know jumbled offensive right. line sometimes. And a team that's not going to give Brady time in the pocket. Yeah. I just I really hope... Brady is in trouble because I think it'll make it a better game. Yeah, because right. I think Kansas City's offense, 
I just I have no faith in them. I know, and me neither. I'm a little scared of this game. Yeah. I really am. I, I'm I think Kansas City is going to make it really close. I think I would bet on Kansas City if the spread was five. Game I would not. T- game number two featuring one yeah. of the teams that, right. that burned you last week, Green Bay on the road, Arizona, quarterbacks that you guys have both praised, especially Carson Palmer yes. this year. Left, what are you going with? Uh, I am going to go with Arizona. This is the game I'm going to bet this week, I've decided. I am going to find a bookie, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is because <laughs> there's so much. Like This, to me, all year, we have been so hot on Arizona and Carolina, and we have been so down all year on Seattle and Green Bay. And yet all year, if you bet on Seattle Green Bay and we saw through your pick'em lines, man, you got burned betting for those teams all year long. And I think because Green Bay, the luck is on their side. Seattle, the mojo is flowing. A missed field goal, blah, blah. I think this is the perfect – if, if Arizona and Carolina lose – I do not know what I've been watching all year, and I will sit here and go, the NFL is a fickle, fickle world, and I don't f***ing understand it. But I'll tell you this, I'm going to put money this week, actual money, on Arizona and Carolina if the spreads are right. Last time I saw it's a seven-point spread for Arizona-Green Bay. I think Arizona should win that game by 20. I'm going with Arizona, especially with Devontae Adams not playing. Oh, that's interesting. Someone's calling me. Uh, that's a, uh, So I think... what. That's interesting. Somebody's calling me. Arizona's going to win this game. I got no confidence in Green Bay winning this game at all. Uh, what do you I think really about the don't. seven points. Yeah, the seven points. I'm with you. If I was going to bet, I'm certainly going to bet Arizona, especially with Devonte Adams. It doesn't sound like yeah. he's going to be ready to go. So now that means Patrick Peterson on Randall Cobb all game long. They're not going to win the other matchup with the they other wide receivers. They can stop the run with their front. They definitely can. I think it's a very scary matchup. And then you that know, I watched defense? the Redskins-Packers game. Yes. People got to remember. I mean, Kirk Cousins threw for 320. 25 yards in that game. There was people wide open all over the place. This offense is even better. I think they're going to have their way with Green Bay. I say they win by 15, somewhere in that range. I will say the only thing that scares me is if you go back and look at the old Arizona-Green Bay game, Arizona got two defensive touchdowns. They scored right before the half and right at the beginning of the half, and they were only up like 7 nothing or right. something like that right. deep in the second quarter. I just think that it's Bruce Arians. It's Bruce freaking Arians. They are better than them at every single level except for quarterback, but they have a better offensive line. And Carson, I don't think, is that much below Aaron Rodgers right now. I am gonna, I, I want to make a lot of money on this game. <laughs> but if I lose, I, again, it's the NFL. So I, you said, I think if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Arizona Cardinals. They're the greatest. They're 16 they, They're Yes, and they're going to okay. win the Super Bowl. So you said you're going to put money on Arizona, the other team you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, I'm on Carolina, Carolina, too. I'm Carolina. What's that Seattle? spread? I don't know. I think it's. I think it's like three. I think it's three points. Right. Well, that game. I could see that game That's being That's the scary close. game. Right. Then they make a big sack fumble. Because Carolina is exhibiting. Carolina is exhibiting all the things of the bust team, the super confident swaggy team all year that does it, that scores a lot of points, but they just they could fall flat on their face. Currently, I think, Carolina minus three. Carolina minus three. Yeah. It's three points. Yeah, well, everybody. I'm taking Carolina. Yeah, I'm taking Carolina as well. Everybody's obsessed. I don't know why. I mean, it's just they're they're still caught up in the Seattle champions of 2013. They think it's the same team as last year. You know, they got to remember they took two miracles for them to win this week, and it took a fumbled snap, run around, Russell Wilson throw, and the easiest field goal miss in the history of NFL playoffs. Yeah. So that to happen, and everyone I know, everyone's so obsessed with all they beat Arizona in a meaningless game. I mean. Arizona, you got to remember, Seattle, week 16, got dominated at home by the St. Louis Rams. So I don't know why everybody's on the Seattle bandwagon so hard. I do think Carolina wins easy. And I just also look, even if Marshawn Lynch is back. I got like Adam Scheffner over here. I got like this people is calling me. Yeah. But Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley, I think, are made to handle that read option game of Seattle. And I just think of Doug Baldwin, wake, meet Josh Norman. Yeah, there's the, and, and, and I talk about Carolina's zone defense. Seattle's offense, I know what Russell, Russell Warren Moon said. He calls games for Seattle, so he's got to speak. Yeah, that, I was that offense is Sorry, not going to be able to expose. <laughs> he just lied to us, and it's okay. I just well, as soon as you Russell asked the question, Wilson's... he started laughing. Like, he was giggling. He, he knew heard you. it all year. Yeah. He was saying, what a dumb question. It was like you when you interested like, Coach, Coach, how do you feel after losing the tight game? You make money yourself when you ask those questions. Yeah, but you don't think, I mean, he just lied to us. Oh, well, yeah, but what'd you think he was going to say? Oh, you know what? They stink. Let me wait for my call from Seattle so they can fire me off the telecast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fourth and final game, <laughs> Sunday. You guys will be here watching it, of course. 
Denver hosting Pittsburgh. Hardest game to pick of the weekend in my mind. And I will go first because I am the leader of, of you. Man, your, your crotch. crotch is vibrating. Um, Pittsburgh, Denver to me, as soon as I left your place on Saturday, I said this. I'm taking Denver. I announced it in the car. Right. And the reason is I'm not going to have Antonio Brown, and you're going to give me a, maybe a quarter of what Big Ben is. I, I think that a quarter of Big – I'm taking Denver. I'm not going to extend the segment. That defense is too good, and I, I'm taking Denver. I think we're going to go four for four again this week. Yeah, we are. I'm taking Denver as well. Uh, I would have took. Den- great, I think actually. I would have took Denver if Antonio Brown was completely healthy and Big Ben was completely healthy, uh, even with Peyton Manning. Yeah, it scares me, but not against the Pittsburgh secondary. I, yeah. I just think they'll have the right formula. He's going to know what they're trying to do. So defensively. last week was four road wins. We just picked four home wins. Are you nervous about that? It's like a Scantron test when you see B B B B, and you're like, one of these has not to be me. No. <laughs> the only game I look at and go, I'm not. I, the, Seattle, Pitt, Carolina. No, it's actually Pittsburgh, Denver. That's the one game I do look at because I get scared that Denver is going to do what they did the first time around, play way too much man to man. And if Big Ben is somewhat healthy, Pac Man said Antonio Brown's going to play. He goes, You watch. He goes, He'll clear concussion protocol 24 hours before the game, and he'll be playing. Probably right. Because he's just saying he fakes it. He faked it. All right, so, good luck. We're, we're, we're riding the same four teams again. Yep. I'm excited to bet. I'm not getting any ground. I am gonna, I'm going to I'm gonna bet money this week. Cool. I'm going to bet like a whole $4. We'll I'm pretty excited that Sims just gave Les, uh, Lefko a journalism lesson on how to ask questions. Yeah, did you hear him say lesson? Lesson. Lesson. A journalism lesson. I've been using shoots, brother, a lot lately, so I love, I love when you it. do it. I love it. I love when you do it. Do it. Shoots, brother. Uh, it's just a brother. Brother. Uh, say goodbye. Oh, brother. Peace out, homies. Show up on time. Fedrick. <laughs> Good night, everyone. And by the way, during the show today, we got our 500th follower on Twitter. So that's oh, big news yeah. for the Sims and podcast. Really big That, news. of course, is at Sims and Lefko on Twitter. The fingers, they are stinky. Gabe Gomez, show them to me, friend. Great. <laughs> Control room, you guys. Amazing as always. Look at Pellegrino chilling back there. Oh, the Chiefs. Cheers from- to the Chiefs. Good luck, Australia. Chiefs, for Cam. Uh, George, man, I, I love you. And uh, Brett, oh, you're the man. And Paul, you're awesome. And Steinmetz, keep spinning that shit. Uh, at Sims and Lefko on Twitter. Please subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Uh, enjoy the games. Hit me up on Snapchat. How about that? At Adam Lefko. <laughs> Nelson, are you on the Snapchat? I'm not on Snapchat. You are Lefko. You are not on Snapchat. No, you think? Mm. <laughs> we'll be back next week, episode 48. I'm going to call my shot right now the John Ritchie podcast. <laughs> I think he was 48. He was not. He was 40, I think. He was not 48. You'll find out the answer <laughs> next time on the Simpson Lefko podcast. <laughs>